Scripture tells us that we should spread the gospel, that it's um, it's not just to be kept to ourselves, that it's meant to be um, shared with others and those who uh, do not know. Um, and at Colonial Heights, we want to be doers of the words. We believe in the Bible. That is what is the foundation of, of what we do here. And so we want to make sure that we are doing what the Lord commands us, uh, which means we need to be sending out and we need to be sharing the gospel with others. You know, the... If a church just stays within its own four walls, that church is not really a church. It's a, it's a country club or it's something else. We have to get outside our walls. We have to go around the world to tell people about Jesus, whether that's down the street at, at the restaurant or that's on the other side of the world. We have to get out and tell people about Jesus. Jesus was very clear. He didn't say, get within your little group and hang out. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. It's important to us that we biblically follow what God's called us to do. Go, teach, baptize, share God with, and love others. We sin so that others like us, someone's told us how we can know God and have a relationship. And we want others to have that same privilege because God loves them. And we want to uh, bring them in to, as part of our family. That scripture tells us to go and make disciples. And I think that because we are called to do so, we equip the way that we need to equip, and we're comfortable with how the people we send have been equipped, um, so we do whatever it takes to get there. When we become believers, the most important thing we do is help other people to know the joy and the forgiveness and the grace of God. And in sharing that with other people, we continue to grow in our own faith. So as we send people, we know for sure that they're gonna grow in their faith as they share the love of the gospel and the forgiveness of the gospel and the grace of the gospel with other people. So it has a twofold effect. Um, people meet Jesus, but we grow in our relationship with the Lord as well. And in order to reach the nations, which we want to do, we have to send people. And sometimes we have to send the people that we love. And so we're excited about how God works each and every week in stirring the hearts of people to say, send me, Lord. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. As we continue in this sermon series, Whatever It Takes, really trying to understand and remind ourselves maybe of who we are as a church and then also what God has called us to do specifically. So thinking kind of mission and vision, we began by considering uh, the mission statement. Together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We, we didn't just come up with that phrase on our own. That's certainly one we found rooted deep in Scripture and then we have these, these three like core truths that we refer to often here. We belong, we gather, and we sin. That's who we are as a church. And, and I would argue, as I've said before, uh, it doesn't, a church doesn't have to have those words as their mission statement. But for a church to be a church, they have to believe that that's who they are called to be. This is, this is the responsibility of all churches everywhere is to belong and gather and send. It is the responsibility of all churches everywhere to say that 
we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. That's because it's what the word of God says. And so a church who doesn't follow the word of God just isn't a church. I think it was Gino who said that in the video, right? Like if, we, if we're not doing what the word says, then we're not being a church. And that's important for us to remember. So as we are thinking certainly about this campaign that is in uh, to, to try to raise funds, money for a very specific purpose. It's, it's this dual purpose, right? One, yes, get out of debt. But we're not canceling. We're not stopping the work of the church just so that we can get out of debt. We're not saying no more mission, no more mission trips, no more mission partnerships, no more sending out in our local community, no more efforts over the next three years. No, no, no. We're actually doubling down. We're giving more to For the Glory of God in All Nations. We're giving more to Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and Margaret Lackey. We're giving more. Like that's our hope and desire that we would have more of an impact in our community and around the world. We want this to be an effort where we say we want to do whatever it takes to make Christ known in the places where he has never been known and sometimes even to the ears that have never heard that are even in our neighborhood. When we come to uh, the, the work of mission and maybe missions, so to speak, I feel like we commonly assume that we are not supposed to go, right? Like we, we tend to think of ourselves as the non-goers, that there's somebody else, there's somebody in some elite group somewhere here in the church that Jesus uh, is expecting them to go, but not us to go. And uh, Jesus actually makes it really clear. He assumes that we will all go. There's this, there's this part that we will all take the gospel. We're going to define in just a minute that there are, are kind of two categories of that. But I want to give you a heads up. You know, sometimes uh, if I don't, like not like kind of getting thrown off at the end of the sermon, maybe you're packing your stuff up and you're not listening, which I hope you don't do that. But like, uh, I want to give you a heads up now. It's kind of a warning. At the end of our time today, I'm going to be calling on you to commit to going, not, not just around the world, but to see the call of God to make Christ's name known in all the earth is a call for all of us as followers of Christ. So I'm assuming that God is calling us to make his name known. When I give that call, though, there's going to be two different types of going. So in a sense, since today we're considering we send, as a church we send, and, and so there's, there's two types of going, therefore there's two types of sending. Well, first is this. So type one, everybody hold up a one. It's not that you're number one, it's just that you're, this is type one, okay? This means that we are sent every week. You know, we, we say that almost every week. Sometimes it doesn't get said, but most weeks we say that we are being sent out from this place because you can't sleep here. I know you like it a lot, but you cannot stay here, right? You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, right? So we are sent out every week in our workplaces, our schools, our ball fields, our neighborhoods, our grocery stores, our homes to make Christ known. This is the work of making disciples. And disciple making is given, is a task given to all Christians. So this is, this is a 
good, helpful definition. Disciple-making is the Christ-commanded, spirit-empowered duty of every disciple of Jesus to evangelize unbelievers, baptize believers, teach them the word of Christ, and train them to obey Christ as members of his church who make disciples on mission to all nations. I was really wordy, but what that means is all of us as followers of Christ are called to make Christ known, make disciples. So, so at the end, all of us as followers of Christ should be saying we are type one. There is a type two though. Type two, I would argue, is what we see even in this text today is the sending as a missionary. Now, I want to, I wanna, it's possible I'm about to break some of your hearts. And you might, I have probably even said this at some point in my life, but I want to correct myself if I have. We are not all missionaries. We are all intended as Christ followers to be disciple makers. All of us are called to the work of disciple making, but not all of us because there is a, a distinct difference. In fact, so here's a definition of a missionary. A missionary is a disciple of Jesus set apart by the Holy Spirit, sent out from the church to cross geographic, cultural, or maybe even linguistic barriers as part of a missionary team focused on making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places. So catch this. The missionary task is particularly to leave the culture or the people group or the language, cultural barrier that we have. It's, it's crossing that barrier. That's, that's definitively what makes, it a, what makes one a missionary. Now, are we to be on mission Every day in our neighborhoods? Yes. Are we to be evangelistic in our homes and in our neighborhoods and school? Yes, that's type one. But type two, they do something different than that. They do that work in a place that's different than their own. And again, it could be in their own home, town, but it could be cross-cultural or barrier. It could be cross-linguistic barrier. So if you are not a type two, and we will talk more about this throughout it is your job as a type one to send type twos. You get all this? So type one, everybody. Everybody say everybody. Okay, type one, all believers. That's, that's all of us. Type two is the missionary call. So there's a difference and we're gonna see that. Again, so let's, let's do this because I'm confusing everybody with definitions. Let's look to the word, which is always less confusing than me. So Acts 13, thank you. All right. Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying... They laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. 
From there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. So just these five verses. And I want us to to start by seeing what the disciples were doing. What, what, What was the work that these disciples were doing? First, the disciples surveyed. The disciples surveyed. They were, they were trying to get a picture, trying to understand what was happening. What is it that they wanted to hear? So verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord, while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So the Spirit is going to speak to them in some manner. I don't, I don't exactly know what that would have sounded like, been felt like. I don't know but I, it seems as if two things needed to be happening. One, they were worshiping, so they were giving glory to God. Their, their heart's affections were focused on the work and the person of Christ. Does that make sense? They're like together, they were together in their worship. They were giving rightful glory to the only one who deserves glory. They were singing praises. They were giving worship to him. They were offering to him. So, so this is a common thing. This was regular for them to, to give, like fix their eyes, their heart, their mind on Christ. And secondly, they removed other distractions by fasting. Now, a lot of us like the first one, right? In fact, these first like 20 or 30 minutes of the service, everybody's like, yeah, everybody's clapping. We were hands up. This was good. There were smiles on our faces. Some of you were singing. It was great. We're going to get to all of us one day, right? It's going to be great. We're all going to sing. It's going to be awesome. And, and this is happening and we're worshiping. And so everybody's like, yay, this was great. And then Chad says, not Chad, the word says fast. And it's like, Brr. I don't know how I feel about that one. Or you do that thing where you think that's for some, again, some special group. That's like pastor talk. Only you guys, only you missionaries are the ones that are supposed to fast. But this seems like they were all fasting. They all said, no, I'm not going to eat right now. I'm going to pause from that. I'm going to push aside food so that I can hear more clearly. I get, I want to, want to hear what God has to say. And so so it seems like they were, there was a, a, in one accord, so to speak, right? They're together. There's a consensus that the Holy Spirit is providing this kind of direction, this clarity set apart for me. I, they don't say that it was audible. Maybe it was. I've, I, I don't sense that's what we're looking for, right? When we are gathered together, we're not looking for the audible voice of God, Apart from the word of God, certainly not. No, but, but we are trying to sense this together. So the disciples were doing a work in surveying. And I want to I wanna start by calling us to that kind of surveying. Are you, are you one who fixes your heart's affections on the Lord you desire to know more of who he is and give him the praise and glory that he deserves. And are you one who says, I'm gonna remove distractions. So when I'm asking for things from the Lord, when I'm trying to get clarity from him, might, might you be one who says, I'm gonna remove those distractions and at times even choose to fast? 
I'm gonna remove food from the, I'm gonna kind of push back from the table just for a bit so that I can hear more clearly from the Lord. So first, the disciples surveyed, and second, the disciples were set apart. Again, look at that, verses two and three. While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, do what? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So catch this. They're set apart, right? The Holy Spirit has already made it clear, made it evident to this group of people, these disciples, that they need to set apart Barnabas and Saul. And we know, by the way, Saul is Paul, same guy. And so they're setting them apart. But guess what happens in verse 3? More fasting. Like I thought we left that in verse two. I thought this was a one-time thing. No, as, as they have heard clearly from the Holy Spirit to set apart, then it's like they want more of that. They want more of the Lord. They want to have more clarity, more, more like crystal clear. So it really is after fasting more, after praying more, they laid their hands on these brothers and they sent them out. I haven't done this in a while, but hey, kids, I want you to, if you're in here, I want you to do something for me. Uh, if you have a piece of paper, I want you to, to take your hand out and I want you to trace your hand on that piece of paper. Okay? So draw your hand, or if you're, maybe you're better at drawing it. That'd be impressive. But like, just trace your hand and you can, you can color it in. You can write different uh, places you hear me talking about or people that you know or, or anything about mission efforts, any of those things on, your, on that hand. And here's what I want you to remember, that this passage reminds us that people were laying their hands on their brothers and sisters in Christ, letting them know that they cared for them, that they supported them, and that there's a, a sense at which they're saying, like, we're in it with you. We might not be going to the places you're going, but we want you to, to even sense and feel our presence even right now. So our, our hand is on your shoulder, our hand is on your head, and we want you to know we're with you. This isn't like hands on you, like we're pushing you out. No, this is letting you know we're with you. So those hands you draw, boys and girls, remind yourself. Use that as a reminder that we as a church, when we are sending people out, we are saying we are with you. We want to encourage them. We want to pray for them. We want to send notes of encouragement. We want to send money and resources and whatever is needed in order for them to be sent. That, you know that's why we do that. In fact, at the end of the service today, we, are, um, we will be commissioning our high schoolers who will leave on, uh, on a short-term trip uh, Saturday, I think. And so we'll be kind of, many of us, like we'll raise our hands and it'll be, Kylie will be up here and he'll put his hand on a couple shoulders and it'll be a, like a visible representation of our hands saying, we're with you. We're praying for you. We're encouraging you. We want you to feel like the support of the church behind you. So that's how, it's part of what that being set apart part looks like. But then they actually go, right? The disciples, at least a couple of disciples were sent. Look again at verse three. After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them 
and sent them off. So, verse 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. So, let's catch this. I don't know if you you caught something slightly different between verse 3 and verse 4. In verse 3, they had people who were laying their hands on them and they were sending them off, right? People were doing that. In verse 4, it starts by saying they were sent out by who? Look down at the text. Who were they, who were they sent out by? Holy Spirit. So the question is, was it the church that sent them out or was it the Holy Spirit that sent them out? Yes, it was both, right? It's both the church doing this work of saying, we're with you, we're for you, we're, we're gonna pray for you, we're gonna support you, we're gonna financially back you, we're here with you. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit saying, you are being sent out. And not only are we, like when we say we're with you, we're not actually with them, right? We're just supporting them. We're, we're together for them. But when the Holy Spirit says, I am with you always, he's literally with them. He's in them. He's filling them. He's like propelling them, taking them. They are not alone. In the 1800s, there was a, a man named D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody. Many of you may have heard of him uh, based out of Chicago, this traveling preacher, really gifted by God to do really great things. Um, and there was a church who had decided that they wanted to have like an evangelistic rally. Think, think what we would often kind of think is like a revival type service. And so several of the men in the leadership, they wanted to have D.L. Moody. And, and so this one guy, I mean, they would just, hey, I really, it really needs to be Dwight. It really needs to be him, Dr. Moody, whatever. It needs to be this guy. And this one young guy stood up and said, I mean, why does it have to be D.L. Moody? It's not like he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. The room was kind of quiet for a minute. People were like, well, that's true. But then one older man stood up and responded, you're right. D.L. Moody does not have an, a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody, and so that's why we need him. You see, we, we want the Holy Spirit to have a monopoly on us so that when we walk through the halls at our school and when we are at the water cooler at work and when we are eating lunch with our friends and when we are walking the neighborhood, that the Holy Spirit exudes through us in such a way and with our words, right? So, so think about this. What were they sent to do? Again, there's two types of sending, right? Two types of sending. There's type one, which is all of us, right? All right, we got one right, everybody else right. There's type one, and this is all believers, Yes, okay, you had all held up your fingers. Everybody was happy to do that. Now you gotta like, pay attention still, okay? So, so there's type one, which is to proclaim the gospel. This is what they did. Verse five, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. But guess what? This is not unusual to them. Acts was written by a guy named Luke, right? Luke also wrote a book called Luke, real creative title. Okay, so Luke writes this, the story of the gospel and then he writes this 
additional piece of the gospel going forward in the book of Acts. So you've got these two books. So same author. And in eight different times in between Luke and Acts, he speaks of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Luke and Acts. He talks about people like John the Baptist, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Mary, the disciples, Peter, Stephen, Saul, over and over. They're filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And then, and guess what happens? Every single time, all eight times, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaim. They use different words. So Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaims. Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesies. Disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts, early in Acts, and they spoke the truth. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said, disciples, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he says, Saul, filled with the Holy Spirit in uh, Acts chapter 9, and immediately he proclaimed. We want, everybody, yeah, we want the Holy Spirit to have a monopoly on us. When the Holy Spirit church has a monopoly on you, you will proclaim Christ. This is what happens to us. We can't help it. And yes, like, I get it. Many of us have questions like, uh, I, want, I want the Holy Spirit to tell me to go. I need the Holy Spirit to tell me to share the gospel with my neighbor. Or I'm gonna wait for the Holy Spirit to show me or tell me or write it in the clouds. Like, I should speak to this person. Well, now hear this. The word of God has said, the Holy Spirit told you to tell them about Jesus. It's fine. Like, you don't have to wait for the cloud. You don't have to wait for a burning bush. Like, you're not Moses. Like, so, so come on. Like, let's, let's focus on this and see that you have been called by God as a believer in Christ to make Christ known. So when we say we send, we're talking every single week. We send you out. I am sent out from this place to make Christ's name known. Just because you are not a type two, does not mean you do not need to get your passport ready. Two reasons. One, you might become a type two. Lord might stir in you, might, might begin to work in you years from now, and you better be ready. There's also these, these things that we do here where we send people on these short-term works, sometimes just a week long, and, and you would be surprised. It takes a little while to get your passport or to get it updated, right? So get it ready. Go, go this week. Make your little appointment. Go get your passport ready because when, when there's an opportunity, you should be saying, yes, remember, we're, not, we're no longer gonna have this assumption that, the, that that is for some other elite group. You are in the elite group if you've got the Holy Spirit. What else do you need? Right? You're, you're in the elite. You've got God. You, you have the gospel that, that, that saved you is the very same work that you're getting to share. So get your passport ready. Like that's a challenge, right? Like it's homework for this week. Yeah, like homework? No, you don't. But imagine that you did. Homework, get your passport. And then there's that second type of sending, right? Second type of sending is that they were going to these different cities, city after city, like the next several chapters, they're going city after city to establish a church. Remember the work of a missionary? It's to to go to a cross-cultural, cross-country type of place that that might not even speak your language or certainly wouldn't have your same culture. And they are there to 
to establish a healthy church so that they can leave and that church can live and thrive and grow and do the work of ministry there so that they can send out every week. This is, so some of us are called to that work of, of going somewhere else for a long time. Some of you are, are really, right now, your heart is pumping and you are, you're already concerned. It, is the Lord going to ask me to do that? I don't know. I think for some of you, the answer is yes. Some of you are worried like, well, if we're, how are we supposed to know when we're, if we're not supposed to do it if our assumption is just always supposed to be yes? Like we're supposed to assume that God wants us to go to those places and do those things. How do we know? Well, this is awesome. The disciples were actually stopped at, at one point. So, so do this with me. Turn, turn just a couple pages over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So again, Paul, Barnabas are sent out and they go to places like Pisidia and they go to Iconium and Lystra and Syria and they go to Jerusalem and they, they do all of this stuff. And so then you get to chapter 16 and in verse 6, it says they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia having, catch this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over here to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So it is possible that the Lord will stop you. It doesn't seem like there for a while. They just went to the next city. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to plant a church. When it's established, we're going to go to the next city. We're going to go. We're going to plant a church, establish the work. We're going to see it grow, and then we're going to go to the next city. We're going to raise up leaders. We're going to go to the next city over and over. Then, then we're going to try to go into this one. Nope. Holy Spirit will stop you. That's what you need to be looking for. Like, instead of Instead of looking for the, like the, uh, maybe God will tell me yes, like assume that the answer is yes, and then listen for a no. We, we, we get that reversed so often, don't we? We assume no, and we're looking for a yes. The yes is already here. And catch this. They were told to stop in one place, so they went to another one. They were told to stop, not go there. And so it was then that the Lord told them where to go next. The reason they were stopped is so that they could share it somewhere else. Don't think that uh, your, your reason for not sharing is just so that you can be quiet longer. Hold on to the gospel to yourself or more. No, no, no. The intent of you not doing what God, this thing is so that you can do this other thing that God has called you to do. So the disciples were stopped. I want, I want to go back, though, back up to the beginning of Acts. You don't have to actually turn there. But I just want you to get this picture. This is over and over and over the work of the Holy Spirit. I was just reading uh, this morning in the Bible reading plan and uh, 
in the Bible reading plan, this, this uh, was in the Old Testament passage, was where Moses uh, has a staff and he, God tells him to, to like make the, the water not bitter anymore and put, put the staff. And then he, he does this thing with the staff where he holds up his arms and as long as his arms are up, the battle's being won, right? And then his arms start to drop and Aaron and her come and hold up his arms. And, and really, like, do any of us think that that staff had some special power? No. The, 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 the staff was simply an instrument of God. So, so not to be mistaken, these disciples, they, did, they were like a stick. They were as useful as a stick. So am I. So are you, right? But, but a stick being used by the power of the almighty God? So, so here's what happens. The disciples were shown by the Holy Spirit over and over. They, they, they started to make these assumptions of yes. So again, in Acts 1, you have approximately 120 believers. Have you ever thought of that, by the way? Jesus, who is described by even like secular people as the most like influential religious person in the history of the world. And there's only 120 people that are following him after he resurrects and he dies, comes back to life and goes, like ascends to heaven. And there's still just about 120. But they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter two, by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's like 3,000 new believers. That's a 2,500% growth in one day. Notice how from here on, there's this assumption that they're all supposed to be type one goers, right? Type one, all of us called to make Christ's name known. Acts 3, the disciples assumed, yes, and Peter and John spoke the name of Jesus and a 40-year-old crippled man walked. That's type one. Acts 4, the disciples assumed, yes, and they prayed with such intensity that the building shook. They're pleading with God to do what only God can do. That's type 1. Acts chapter 5, the disciples assumed, yes, and they performed many miraculous signs and wonders. That's type 1. Acts chapter 5, the disciples assumed, yes, and they performed, uh, oh, I already said that one. Uh, Acts 6 and 7, the disciples assumed, yes, and there was increased danger, right? There's persecution that's coming. That's type 1. Acts 8, the disciples assumed yes again, and the church is scattered. So Philip, he gets zapped into, by the Holy Spirit to lead an Ethiopian to Christ. That's type 1 still. Acts chapter 10, the disciples assumed yes, and racial and ethnic barriers collapse. Type 1. Acts 11. The disciples assumed yes, and the church in Antioch is founded and becomes this mission base that we see later. That's type 1. Acts chapter 12, the disciples assumed yes, and Peter's chains fall off while he is being imprisoned. Type one. Acts chapter 13, the disciples assumed yes. Still same assumption, and Paul and Barnabas start their missionary journey. Type two. Right? So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you believe that God, the creator of the universe, 
sent his son Jesus to take on a punishment that you deserve, that I deserve. If you believe that you have been rescued and saved because you placed your faith and trust in this Jesus who made a way for you to make, make, like have relationship with this creator. If you believe that, then we must be a people who assume yes is the answer. Yes, that we are to make Christ known in our homes. Yes, that we are to make Christ known in our workplaces. Like, think about it. Uh, in just a couple weeks, we'll have a sermon on loving our community. But this should be a part of who we are, what we do, the, the steps that we take. I mean, we should be doing more in this because this is where we live. We should be doing, like, this is where we double down. So here's my charge for you today. I'm not asking for you to necessarily stand right now. I am going to ask that for some in a minute, but as a follower of Christ, the one who has said yes to, to the salvation call of Christ, will you also assume yes that you have been called to make Christ known? I mean, like, in the last two weeks, I've heard of two Colonial Heights church members who have led two other people to Christ. One, one was in our kids' ministry. So one was a, an elementary school student as a believer, shared the gospel with, across the cafeteria table. Two of his classmates, they came to Christ at the cafeteria table. Another, another one, who people that, that don't go here, don't live, they live 45 minutes, an hour away from here, but they were visiting with others. They shared the gospel with these two more. So, so this, this is you. Like this can be you. Making Christ known in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our places, like with our, like the people we know. So here's what I'm asking. Will you assume yes to that? you say, that's supposed to be me. What I want to do, and I just, I just want to pause and ask God to, in the same way that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, that in Luke and Acts, when the people were filled with the Spirit, they proclaimed, I just want to ask God to do that for us. So let's pray. God, you in your perfection, in your work of creation, we give you praise. And we, we even pause to worship you and tell you that, that you deserve our complete and total surrender. And so we, we say to you as a church, send us out. God, fill us with the spirit that we might proclaim the word of God, for the glory of God, for your glory. God, we, we want this, this community to know you. We want Ridgeland and Madison and Jackson. We want this, this part of, of the world. We want them to know you. God, we pray. We plead with you like this week, God, give us boldness. Give us a, a passion, a, a compassion to, to share the truth of Christ that we would be bold in declaring this. God, use us. God, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Please, 
Might we have... Might we have more people who are in the kingdom of God who are around the throne with us because you have sent us out. You have made use of us. These, these sticks, these instruments, God, use us. God, we will know that there is no way that this happened by our doing. We cannot save people, but we know that you're, you can. We cannot bring conviction to people, but you can. God, God, this week, may we, may we be used by you. May we be sent by you for your glory and for your name's sake. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So that's, that's all of us that are believers. That's type one, Right? Type one, but there is, there is this second type, type two. And just as the, uh, the, the people in Acts 13, the disciples, seems like they were, they were gathered together to hear from God. And as the spirit set some of them apart, the church rejoiced in that. There's more worshiping, more fasting, more praying. And so here's what I'm asking today. If you sense that the Holy Spirit is setting you apart to do the missionary task, right? To do this, to do this work that's, that's different, right? It's cross-cultural or it's cross-geographically maybe even linguistically, like language barrier. You're, you're called to, to be set apart in that way, to be a goer in that way. Maybe that's midterm, like different than just like our short-term trip that we take for just a week or so. But maybe that's long-term, maybe that's in your retirement that God has called you to that. If you're sensing, and some of you have already let us know this. Some of you have shared that with us as a church and we, we want to see you once again. So if you are sensing that you are being set apart to be a missionary for more than just a short-term trip, to be sent to those who do not know of Christ, would you be willing to stand at this time? I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm not asking you to fill out a card. I'm just asking if you would stand. Some of you even might have done this at our cross conference before. And so if you would, if you would stand at this time and we just wanna pray for you. We wanna pray over you. So maybe this is your first time acknowledging this or maybe you've, you've already stood before the church and had us pray for you, but uh, we want to do that again now. So here's what I want to do, okay, church? Uh, this is not us officially sending them out. Uh, we we want to equip them and train them and prepare them. But what I want us to do is in whatever direction you can, uh, we're just going to put our hand out as though we are all laying hands on them. And, and we're going to pray for y'all again, okay? 
that God would equip you and prepare you to be sent out from this church one day for the glory of God. So let's, let's pray together. Father God, we praise you that you have set apart some from our midst. God, I, I, we, you tell us you tell us to pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So God, we want more workers and you have, we have, you have answered our prayer with a resounding yes. God, help, help Colonial Heights send these brothers and sisters well. Help us equip and train and prepare and financially support. Help us do that in a way that would bring honor and glory to your name. Use them. Use them, Father, in, with whatever skill set and gifting that you have provided for them. God, I pray. I pray that you would use them for your glory to make Christ's name known in all the earth. Specifically, I pray that you would send them to the places that have never heard. May they take the gospel, the truth of your word, to those who have never had access to the gospel. And we pray this in your son's name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, there's, there's one more group in the room. That's those of you who have heard this gospel, that there is a way of salvation for you, and you have not ever accepted that truth. And you just saw people who said like, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to get up and go and move and sell my stuff or do whatever, live in some other place, some other land. I'm willing to do that so that other people could know, well, you're in the room right now. So I'm, I'm calling on you to turn away from your sin and yourself and your stuff and trust in Jesus. Would you trust in Jesus today. In fact, in just a minute, when we stand to sing and sing praises to this one and only God, there will be some in this room to my left that would love to talk with you more about that, answer more questions you might have. But it's, it's as simple as it sounds. Turn away, repent of your sin and trust in Jesus. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved trust in him. So why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand? And as a part of our response today, let's give God the glory that he deserves.